You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasa, your host, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, and our production assistant, Daniel Tersini, we would like to welcome you to our show this morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Kathy. A little bit of a rainy day for our last week of, uh, I guess not technically the last week of summer, but uh, the last week of summer for many, many students. That's right. right. Yep. <laughs> It's nothing like a little, little bit of uh, rain to get us prepared yeah, for what's to come. For what's to come. <laughs> Next Tuesday, the drive will be, I'll be leaving a bunch earlier. For, <laughs> it's always much, uh, much, much worse, the traffic the first week of school. So, um, Just stay safe out there, everybody. Stay safe. I've got some tips that uh, I will get to in a second or two. Today's show is live, obviously. If you would like to call in and speak with our guest, Betty Jean, our number is 416 416- Two four five fifteen thirty four. Please do follow us. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC on all three sites. And feel free to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. I do appreciate all the emails I've been getting about show suggestions and topics that interest you, so keep them coming. Uh, we have a show every week, so it's, it's nice to get input from you about what you might like to see on the show. And please do subscribe to our podcast. As you know, all of our shows live or taped here on Tuesdays are turned over into podcast format. You can find them on iTunes and SoundCloud, all your favorite podcast platforms. And you can also find our podcast on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca, and on my website, which is kathybiasse.com. Last week's show, uh, Raising Spiritual Children with Jonathan Puddle, is up and ready for you to listen to. I don't know about you guys, but I thoroughly enjoyed that show with him. I thought it was a wonderful conversation, a little bit different than we've ever had on the show. It was indeed. It was really interesting, yeah. It was. I, I really enjoyed that. Now, about nine months ago, we had a Dr. Lloyd Setterer on the show, and he was talking about the opioid crisis. I think it was uh, November. And uh, yesterday, just as a, a little bit of a follow-up to it, if people are, have been following this this terrible um, tragedy that's going on in the States and here in Canada, we are not immune to it. Yesterday, an Oklahoma judge found that Johnson & Johnson and its subsidiaries uh, were complicit in this uh, part of their uh, the opioid crisis that they had, uh, uh, they were, um, what's the right word I want to say, complicit, uh, the part of the uh, added to this crisis, ordered them to pay $572 million. Um, this is the first of many, many uh, lawsuits that are coming uh, down the pike here. It's been a terrible, a terrible situation, both here and there. I think the States has been hit a little bit harder, but um, these companies are going to be held accountable. And um, I think this is just the start of, of many to come. So I just wanted to, to inform you about that. I think this uh, came down yesterday in Oklahoma. 
But on to uh, a few things that I want to talk about in our week before school. Summer is obviously a time about fun and friends and throwing rules and routines out the window. But um, as with all good things, once the summer comes to an end, it's time for the kids to get back on schedule to have uh, some rules put into place. So I just wanted to give you uh, a few tips Things that I have felt were helpful um, going through elementary and high school years. As you change over into the high school years, you obviously have to use a bit of psychology with your kids and make them think that uh, your suggestions are are their um, novel ideas, which is fine. Um, But here are just a few things that I I tried to implement um, at various ages with my kids. First and foremost is getting back into a sleep routine. Uh, This week, start getting your kids back to bed at the time that they will be going to sleep during the school year and then getting them up as well at that time. You don't want to leave this till the day before. It's just too, too tough on the child. And with all the adrenaline going about back to school, you really do want to plan a little bit ahead and start getting them into that routine if you can. Uh, If your child, uh, we're talking more about uh, younger children, if your child is going to a new school, this week may be a good time to do a practice run, Um, get them out the door, maybe even take them to the school that they're going to, get them familiar with it. It can be quite... um, quite uh, an anxious time for kids if they're turning in or going over to a new school or if they're going into grade one and it's at a new school. So maybe go now and uh, walk them around, even if you can't get into the school, get them a little bit familiar. If you can figure out the bus route as well. Absolutely. Then that would be beneficial as well. It is. It, uh, you know, when you're putting your little one on the bus, even if they're used to it, it can be a little bit traumatic. So, uh, you know, any type of preparation for them. My little one, uh, my youngest one, Madeline um, had a real time in grade one. They that her school you you had to drop the child off and then they had to walk by themselves around a corner. It was like a blind corner, and um, she was apprehensive. I had taken her to school, so um, the school allowed me to walk her for the first couple of weeks around the corner, and she got used to it. But you know, you never know what's going to get them a little bit anxious. So you know, if you can prepare them a little bit, it might be uh, beneficial to, to both of you. Um, discuss back to school. Are they anxious about it? Do they have any reservations? Um, Starting a conversation with uh, a child, you know, right at the get-go is you're never going to hear everything. I learned that. Um, I learned that very quickly. You're not going to. You're not going to get a hold of everything that's gone on in their day, and uh, they have secrets just like we do. But starting an open dialogue about school, um, about issues that uh, they may be anxious about, is very good. It lets them know that you're there for them if they want to come and um, and carry on a conversation with you. Stock your back-to-school pantry. You want to make sure that you know what you're you're doing the day of school, for breakfast, for their lunch bag. Uh, this is helpful for you, too. If you're trying to get out to work and you're trying to get your child ready, it's very um, 
very helpful to have things planned ahead for you. Um, and establish your school year rules. So this can be social media rules, TV schedules, homework schedules, whatever it is, you know, learn from the previous year where you had your issues. And before things become another issue, establish your routines. When are they allowed on social media? What apps are they allowed to use? Things like that. Uh, very important. The more you can head off these things before they become um, a, a red flag issue, the better you'll be and the easier your transition will be for back to school. Um, I found it uh, beneficial. Um, some people may not, but I found it beneficial to have a homework station set up for the kids. And I'm not talking about making a station, but um, I really didn't like my kids doing homework in their bed. I found you know, now uh, that, uh, you know, when they went off to university, and I know my daughter prefers to sit in her bed with her laptop, but I prefer the laptops on something. A, it's healthier, and B, for posture. And you want your bed to be associated with sleep. You know, yeah. you can trick your brain. Your we, brain. we spoke about that on, on this program in the past. Yeah, you know, and if you're doing homework and you're supposed to, and you're focusing and you know, you've set your bed as the homework station, when it comes time to sleep, it can be a little bit harder and you don't want that. So have a homework station. Uh, it can be a desk, it can be your kitchen counter, but uh, do your best to not have the laptop on their lap. If you, if it's going to be on their lap, make sure there's a cushion in between there. Um, but do try what? for many reasons to sit at a desk with a proper chair. I'm, I'm reminded of... Um of a YouTube video I watched uh, some time ago and uh, this professor was talking about this very instance where students are finding it difficult to uh, concentrate and focus on their homework because either they're doing it in front of the TV or in their bed like you said yeah. so one of his suggestions was to turn on a lamp for example and you only turn that on when you're actually working. So even if you take a break, you turn the lamp off. So when you turn the lamp on again, you know, okay, it's time to focus on on excellent. my homework. Yeah, that's excellent. And it goes to, you know, we've talked about sleep routines and how your body, you, you become, you know, your body becomes accustomed to different routines. So if you're doing the same thing every night before you go to sleep, once you start the process, your body's like, okay, she's shutting down. And it's the same thing for homework. Your bed is your place to sleep. It's the quiet place. So um, I find that, you know, when they're away in university, all you can do is, is give them the, the, the logication behind it. But um, when you've got them at home, now's the time to sort of make those habits. So that's, that's a big one to me. The final thing um, is talk to your children. And again, this will be um, very age geared. But talk to your children about uh, school year goals. Are they going into the last year of high school? Are they looking to get to a particular university? Can you help them uh, achieve those goals? Have them write down the goals that they want. We've talked a, a lot about this too. Writing things down makes you accountable for them, uh, reading them. Now, again, you may have a hard sell with some kids, but at least get them thinking. 
Uh, grade 12 is a tough year. Grade 11 also is a very important setup year for grade 12. Have them discuss, or at least if they don't want to talk to you about it, have them, you know, bring up this suggestion. Think about the goals that you have. Think about the teams you want to be on. When do the teams play? When do they practice? Will this conflict with your overall school goal? So, you know, suggest these things. You may think that these things fall on deaf ears, but you would be very surprised. So, Just a reminder, there's also guidance counselors typically in the high schools environments for students to talk to if they can't necessarily Absolutely. Uh, and suggest things like that. Suggest the resources that there are at school. The more you can educate your child on what's available, because I'm telling you, once they get to university, it's unbelievable the choices that they have and the, and the fact that they, they don't even know where they can go to, to see all this stuff. It, it's something. So those are just a few tips for you. Um, some great snacks for the young ones. Grapes, cut up apples with cinnamon, popcorn, veggie hummus, homemade applesauce is great. Fruit kebabs, those are always fun for the kids. Homemade granola bars, hard-boiled eggs, and healthy muffins. Uh, And just one final thing before I sign off with this. Uh, Drivers, do take care. You know, the little ones are so excited about going back to school, and oftentimes, you know, some of the the road rules they're not following, so be extra careful on Tuesday for back-to-school day. Okay, uh, today's show, it's, it's going to be a fun one. Wait till you hear Betty Jean start to talk. She's full of vim, vigor, and vitality. Betty Jean Bell is the founder of Badass.com. She has helped successful women around the world to lose weight, improve their health, and love their bodies now, regardless of shape, all while running their businesses, families, and lives. She believes that when you love the body you have, it becomes the body you want. With her radically transformative program, You Are a Babe, inspiring women in 20 countries, Betty Jean Bell helps entrepreneurial women transform their confidence, body image, and health with meaningful science, psychology, spirituality, and uncommon actions that work. Our learning points today are among many, as I say, the term self-love is thrown around a lot, but what does this really mean? And how is self-loving important for weight loss? How can you, uh, how can focusing on your health and self-talk naturally bring weight loss and other great things into your life? And when we return, we'll be talking with Betty Jean Bell. Everybody's been down, hit the bottom, hit the ground 
Are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. If you'd like to call in and speak with Betty Jean, our number is 416-245-1534. And please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at The Health Hub RMC. Betty Jean, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm excited for you to share all your your, your enthusiasm for what you do. It's just it just bubbles over when when you know when you're talking. It's wonderful. So let's get right oh, at thank it. Thank you. <laughs> let's get right at it. You've had so much success with helping women. Uh, the undercurrent of everything you do is talking about self love. Now we he- we hear self love in so many arenas. You know, you go onto Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Self love. It's all you know. It's all there, but what does it really mean to you? I love, I'm so glad you asked me that because I agree, it's everywhere and it seems like kind of this vague word. Um, and I think generally we all like believe we love ourselves, but I, I defined it just to make it really clear and it's made a big difference for me and all my clients. Um, and so I define self love as m- making one's mental, emotional, and physical well being her top priority. And so we kind of use that. I know I use that every single day, all day. Like, what do I need right now to be mentally, emotionally, and physically well? Because, and I feel like, um, especially when we start asking ourselves that question, a lot of women will, like, pursue weight loss or really anything in life, like career goals, whatever, hoping that once they've achieved a certain dress size or a certain status or a certain something that they will be enough. And in order to, like, lose the weight, their, women are often willing to sacrifice their mental, emotional, and physical well-being for the sake of weight loss. And so um, I love talking about self-love and kind of using that question, uh, you know, what do I need right now to be mentally, emotionally, and physically well? Because it really, I feel like it helps us make decisions that serve us rather than maybe sacrifice our well-being. So that's what self-love means to me. So, you know, you've got women... We all want to lose weight, okay? Well, that's just, uh-huh. you know, I, I, you know, 95, 99, I don't know what the number is. We wouldn't mind dropping a couple of pounds. We're always, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part, I would think you're seeing women trying to compare themselves to other people. Mm-hmm. Can you yeah. honestly say that we can bash through that ideal image and really take on our own body shape and love it. Have you found success doing this, or is it a continual exercise in self-reflection? Well, I think it depends on the person. Uh, but for me, I really have finally found freedom. And for a lot of my clients, there's something that happens when we start really making a question like that. You know, what do I need right now to be mentally, emotionally, and physically well? We start to really like check in with ourselves and and find out what we need and really start to see ourselves with love. I know I used to, I mean, 
I was, I definitely did not love my body. For most of my life, I felt really insecure, inadequate. Um, I wasn't sure that any man would ever want to marry me because of how I looked. And, you know, I was pursuing a lot of other things, trying to feel like enough. And the crux of it was how unattractive I believed I was. And, um, and that nearly cost me everything. I, I nearly uh, committed suicide on my 33rd birthday because, I, you know, my whole life being an achiever, I was um, always striving, trying to feel like enough, trying to be enough, trying to be beautiful enough. And at the end of the day, I just wanted to feel successful and I wanted to feel loved. And I thought in order to be loved, I had to look a certain way. And no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't seem to accomplish that. I could lose the weight, then I'd gain it back, or then I'd get sick, and I had other health challenges. It was just really, really complex for me. And um, and so on the other side of that experience, I call that my breakdown to breakthrough, that was when I really realized, oh my gosh, what would happen if I just figured out what made me happy, if I just learned to see myself with love, like if I just let myself be enough? And it took years, you know, of me kind of figuring this stuff out on my own. But one of the things I started realizing was, you know, you talked about comparison. Uh, it is easy for us to compare in this world, especially on social media. You're like, you scroll on Instagram. I do a lot of work on Instagram. And, uh, man, it's like comparison city. The way I've reframed that, and I think a really powerful way, is uh, when, you know, God, universe, whatever it is to you, when we see things out there that we aspire to or we want to, so we see a woman with a body, you know, a body, and we're like, God, I would love to look like that, but maybe you have a health challenge. Maybe you have, you know, you know, something going on that, or maybe you've tried, or who knows, right? Like, you know, we all have challenges wanting to lose weight, but we start to compare ourselves. Um, I think that comes from that that thinking of I am not enough as the core. Like when we're looking and comparing and like, oh, I'm not enough, she's better than me or he's better than me or whatever it is we're comparing ourselves to. And I think a more powerful way is to celebrate what we see. So the way I imagine it is like, you know, universe, source, whatever, that's evidence from the world of what's possible for us. And when we start to like celebrate other people, like, man, look how good she looks. That's awesome. I feel like that's universe showing us hey, if this person can do this, this is what's possible for you. And so I really think it comes with how we're perceiving comparison. Well, and you're, you're, taking on, you're taking on a huge task here because in a large part, women have, because of what uh, is so accessible as the ideal for women's body stature, women do compare their self-worth and it's wrapped up into the image that they think they should be mm-hmm. to be successful. And how do you un? You, you can't just talk that out of people, can you? Like, is yeah. it is it that easy just to say, well, you know, accept who you are, or do you have to say, you know, do you really need to lose the weight? Why do you want to lose the weight? Because this is a whole yeah. big ball of wax. Totally, totally. No, you can't, positive thinking alone doesn't get anyone anywhere. You know what I mean? Because, like, there's a, everybody has different reasons for wanting to lose weight. Some women may have a health condition that their weight's been problematic for them, you know? And so, like, they're wanting to pursue weight loss for, like, really healthy reasons. But exactly what you're pointing out, like, some, 
it's all about why we're seeking weight loss. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like if we're, if we're going at weight loss in order to feel like enough, to feel successful, to feel beautiful enough, whatever it is, but if we're pursuing weight loss to feel like enough, it's going to be a moving target. Because I've had just as many women that I've uh, gotten to work with that actually didn't have any weight to lose. They already hit their goal weight. And they come to me and they go, Betty Jean, I thought I would feel better when I got here and I actually feel worse. And that was my experience as well. And it was because when we're pursuing weight loss in order to hoping to feel like, God, if I can just lose the weight, then my life will start working. If I can just lose the weight, then I'll feel beautiful. If I can just lose the weight, insert external kind of validation here. We're not going to find it in weight loss. It's all about looking for things where they are. If we're looking to feel like enough, if we're looking to feel loved, if we're looking to feel beautiful, it isn't It isn't in something external, I believe, and we have found it is, it's by shifting our internal dialogue um, and really learning to see ourselves with love now. And that was what really changed things for me. As long as I was pursuing weight loss in order to feel loved, in order to feel beautiful, in order to feel successful, it eluded me. Mm-hmm. Like I never felt it. And it didn't matter what weight I was, if I was a six size 16 or a size six, because I was both and I still felt terrible. And I didn't have loving relationships and it, you know, I didn't feel successful. And it wasn't until I started realizing that, that the feeling of success and happiness and beauty, it's an internal thing that starts with my self talk. It starts with my internal dialogue. And that when I could start learning to see myself as enough, that was when my body and everything started to change because when I started to speak to myself differently, think differently, and that led to different actions, more self-loving actions, which ended up leading, leading to totally like the body and all the things that I wanted. But it happened because my internal dialogue changed and my thought life changed. So when a client comes and sits down with you, are you sort of going through a checklist of whys? Um, would you ever say to somebody, listen, I can't work with you on weight loss because you don't need to lose the weight? Yeah, there's all, you know, it, it depends. I don't work with everyone. Um, like, for instance, when, when folks have, uh, like, a serious eating disorder, I'm not the right person. I had my own eating disorder that I, um, that I overcame. Uh, but there are folks who are out there who are, who are better at it um, than I am. And so I don't work with folks with eating disorders that much anymore. And um, I also don't work with folks who, well, with folks who have already hit their weight loss goal, um, if they are ready to see themselves with love, like I always have conversations like, you know, you say you want to lose weight. It looks like you don't need to lose weight. So what's, what do you think weight loss will give you? What does weight loss mean to you? Um, I'm really into helping women see themselves as enough and shift that internal dialogue. So the kind of gals we work with, it's not just about weight. A lot of women come to me thinking, God, if I can just lose the weight, then my life will start working. Those are actually the kinds of gals I really love working with because 
I get to deep dive and ask them a lot of questions of, about, all right, great, how do you think weight loss is going to change your life? And what we often find is, well, I just want to be able to have, I just want guys to notice me. I want a more loving relationship, right? Like I want to attract a good relationship or, you know, I want to feel confident to take, confident to take photos for my website so I can grow my business. And right now I don't feel that way. I feel like I'm too unattracted to do something like to be in photos or whatever. And what often happens is, is it's a, it's a self judgment thing. It's an, I'm not, I don't believe I'm enough. It's a uh, negative mental habit. And, um, and I think that's where we really shine is in uh, helping women see themselves with love because we have found that, my team and I have found that when, when we can help a woman have a different internal dialogue, like I said before, it leads to different actions. So we're able to, you know, examine how they're treating food, right? Are you using food to cope with life? A lot of women are, right? And uh, you had a great guest on, Dr. Glenn What's his last name? Livingston. He's a binge coach. Yes, thank you, yes. Dr. John Livingston. <laughs> I love him. I love his work. I, re- I recommend his book pretty regularly. Um, but for me, I love, you know, helping women, you know, examine not just how they're treating food, but how they're treating money. Like when we're using, when we're looking for things where they are not, when we are looking for comfort and mm-hmm. love and happiness in food or in overspending, um, I found a lot of links with um, overeating and overspending that we're often using both of them to feel better about ourselves. And so, again, for me in my work, it tends to go back to that internal dialogue. It's like, well, where do you not feel enough? What do you think? What's the food giving you? Like, what are you really looking for here? Or what are you really looking for in your overspending? Um, and when we start to, like, really examine, just like you're saying, like, what do you think weight loss is going to give you? we get to start really helping women heal that internal dialogue that's leading to actions that may not serve them. And part of that is how it shows up on their body. Yeah, I think I think you're spot on with so much of that. We're so bombarded with with the ideal image and, you know, success is a certain look. And and you know what? We're all caught up in it. I want to take a a quick break here and then we're going to come back. We're going to, you know, I'd like to talk about, you know, maybe walk through a session with you because obviously you're not setting up like other weight loss professionals. So uh, I want Mm -hmm. to um, give our listeners uh, a walk through your office. So when we get back, we'll talk about that. the one preaching it to you that you could overcome I still believe it but it ain't easy cause that world I painted where things just don't work out it started changing and I started having doubts and it got me so down but I
trust in him and yeah i believe in so i can pick myself back up and keep on telling me no my god's not done making me a masterpiece no my god's not done he started something good You are listening to The Health Hub here on Radio Maria Canada. A Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, please call 416-245-1534. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking with Betty Jean Bell. Betty Jean, let's get down to the nuts and bolts of, of really, you know, we've given, you've given the theory of the way you approach weight loss. So, so let's walk through um, some of the, the real life sort of situations that uh, women have to tackle if they want to lose weight in our busy lives. And, you know, whether it's family, motherhood, working, um, how do women have, how do you teach them to take the time? to put what you want them to do into practice for their weight loss and their self-love? Yeah. So we have a very unconventional approach. So we're an online business. So we don't have any like real offices that, that folks walk into. Um, and what we do, I believe that, you know, since I'm the way we approach weight loss is by helping women see themselves differently, by helping them kind of reprogram the neural pathways of this habitual negative thinking and the self-doubt and all of this kind of I'm not enough thinking that they may they may or may not be aware that they even have right because it's so ingrained in our culture that like you've referenced like that comparison and um, so the way it works for us is you know a gal starts working with us we have a thing in the morning called feel good 45 which is a ton of fun and the whole we'd meet Monday through Friday every morning for 45 minutes Sometimes people have to pop out, but it's earlier in the morning, so it's before the workday starts for most gals. And uh, although we do have some people in Australia, so it's very nighttime for them. <laughs> They're going to bed, and then we've got some folks that are really early in the morning. 
And the whole purpose of that is we believe that self-love and kind of these reprogramming of how we see ourselves, that it's a language. And so we learn language just like we did when we were kids in immersion. Just, you know, little babies don't pick up a book and learn their language. They hang out with their parents. And so in the same way, you know, I found that we really are the sum of the five people we spend the most time with. So it was important to me to develop a situation that felt more like friends and family, that felt more like a safe environment, a really loving environment, an uplifting environment where one could learn this language of seeing herself as enough, of seeing herself with love, of being more gentle with herself and really having a safe place to ask herself, hey, I notice I've been using food for this or I notice you know, this struggle or that struggle and having a a safe place to reframe it and learn to see things differently. And we spend a lot of time in the morning getting really clear about what's our intention for the day. Um, We celebrate, you know, we, you know, how you and I talked a few minutes ago about comparison versus celebration. I really, right now, the most women, when they come to me, they are so used to looking for what's wrong with their body. They look in the mirror and the very first thing they see is, oh, I hate my, I don't like my arms. I hate my belly. I, we're picking ourselves apart. We've conditioned ourselves, you know, just as part of the culture to look for what's quote unquote wrong about us. So the very first thing I have gals do every morning is we spend two minutes writing celebrations looking for what's right about ourselves, things to celebrate that we've done in the past 24 hours, better choices that we've made. And we do this every single day because I want women to develop the habit of looking for what's right about them. And then we do some mindset work. We have meditations, different, you know, there's a whole series of things that we do. And the whole point of that is that is to feel good. It's to start our day with the right mindset of seeing ourselves with love so that we can mentally rehearse what it feels like to feel good in our bodies, to feel good about ourselves, even if the circumstances haven't changed yet, even if our physical circumstances haven't changed yet. I, I can so see... Really, sorry, go ahead. Go finish ahead, off. Go ahead. Oh, no, that's all right. I, I was just... It popped into my mind. You know, I can see where this is the greatest struggle is the self-love piece of it because you know i just i'm playing through my mind as i go through um you know the instagram the the diets are are all you know handed over by skinny people the workout routines (laughs) are done by skinny people um those who are very comfortable taking pictures of themselves are always on Instagram with their faces as opposed to, you know, other people who put other things on. I don't like being in front of the camera. I just, it's, it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about the food component of this? Is this strictly what you're doing? Um, does everything fall into place once you've shifted this mindset? Like, do you do meal plans? Do you do food work? So we do, we do food work. Um, what we do, but we have a different approach to it. So um, I don't actually, uh, I say diets don't matter. For the most part, it doesn't matter. There is one thing that I think should be true for the way everyone eats and it shouldn't, it should be as least inflammatory as possible, as least toxic as possible. You know, if you've got ingredients you can't pronounce, it's going to, they cause a lot of issues you know, cellular health, there's like a, you know, liver health, there's like a lot of stuff there. So um, it's eating real food, 
as long as it's eating real food, I, I almost don't, I have found that it doesn't really matter what quote unquote diet someone follows. Mm-hmm. Um, all the women in my program eat totally differently because everybody's body is different. I always joke. I always say we're biological unicorns. Like, mm-hmm. each, you know, how I, what makes my body thrive might not make your body thrive. And um, it just depends, you know, everybody's different. So our approach to food is the number one trick we use. This is the workhorse. This thing, this one thing, as simple as it sounds, ends up being one of the most challenging things for most women. But this one thing transformed my life. It transformed my health. It transformed um, my weight. And it, the same thing for my clients. And the one trick is eating slowly in an undistracted environment. A hundred percent. You're absolutely right. Yeah. There's a lot of other things that one can add on, but I feel like those can be distractions. Like, like there's some like portioning I like to show, you know, if someone's like, well, how much do I even put on my plate? I'm like, well, you can use hand portions. I always call those like training wheels. So, cause you always have your hands with you. So I teach this little hand portion thing, but really one doesn't even really need portioning tools. If we will just eat slowly in an undistracted environment, there are some folks who don't really have hunger signals because if they've struggled with like an eating disorder for a long time, there, there can be skewed hunger signals. But with, um, and it was for me for a long time back when I had an eating disorder, but I have found that just this one trick, this is what helped me heal. Even back when I did struggle with binge eating, I would even make myself eat whatever it was I wanted to binge on in an slowly in an undistracted environment. And what do you know? <laughs> I quit binging. That, that, um, uh, I call them the steps to good digest. That's the first page, literally, um, after some word definitions uh, of the book that I give when I'm working with cancer patients. Chew your food oh. slowly. And it's 100% correct. It, that's why I put it first. I'm so glad that you said that. Now, yeah. I imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, when women, you're, you're working with women and you're teaching them about self-love and, and to not look outward for their inward beauty, you're also mm-hmm. connecting them with uh, something that I believe we have lost when it comes to nutrition and food is intuition, so yeah. when you're looking in and you're teaching people to look in, do you find that once they start to become reconnected with their body and the signals and the intuition that they learn themselves what is appropriate and not appropriate to eat? Exactly. Exactly. Like I had one client, I mean, I think there's lots of examples, but the one that comes to mind immediately is one gal who who didn't associate the chocolate she was having with headaches. Um, And for me, it was, I thought for years I had asthma. And so I would go to the doctor and I had this asthma inhaler. I'm like, it doesn't work. How come asthma inhalers work for everybody else? I didn't realize that my response to gluten is it closes my esophagus and I can't breathe. Hmm. So my whole life I'd been eating gluten not realizing, I didn't know what I know now about gluten and a lot of different nutrition things. Um, but once I learned to eat slowly in an undistracted environment, I started to make the connection with how foods were, were like responding in my body. And, and that couldn't happen as long as I was, you know, reading something or listening to a podcast while I ate or watching TV or like, you know, doing whatever we do and we're disconnected. Mm-hmm. 
The the one thing I find, um, actually, the most often find it in uh, my children. They reflect to me. I think that um, we perceive ourselves looking so much differently than the people who love us. Um, Mm, And I think we're very hard on ourselves. Uh, That's a very hard thing to change, especially as you're going from your teenage years to 20s to 30s. And um, Mm -hmm. as you're going through that process, I I think the way we're we're taking on as the years go sort of a negative along with the whole aging, um, you know, the, the whole issue about aging and how this is a negative thing. It always impacts women. More than men, I think. Yep. Um, how do you like, do you do anything with regard to that? Like, obviously, because you're you're an online company, you're not having women sitting around and and you know building up each other. But how do you tackle that that self image? You know, I I don't look as good. Everyone tells me, but they're lying, and you know that sort of of idea. Because I do think that we don't internalize the love. Uh, that people see for our being that are close to us, because I think people that aren't, I think the people that love us aren't just seeing a look, they're seeing a package. Right. Yeah. So actually we do sit around every morning. We meet on zoom. So actually that's one of the things that women love most about our work is they're always saying like, it feels like family because we're, a lot of us are in our pajamas really <laughs> early. So we like roll out of bed and we meet on Zoom. And it's like having like a pajama party in the morning with this like safe group of, of women who we also share our celebrations. And because we are practicing learning to when we see somebody else succeeding going, oh, that's universal. I need that's po- like, that's what's my future. That's possible for me. And something that's really powerful to your point about being in that group, being able to see each other's faces, being able to have these conversations about learning to see ourselves with love is we start witnessing other women appreciating themselves. And we also get to appreciate uh, to witness women not appreciating themselves. Mm-hmm. Like when they bring a painful thought, like exactly what you, what you just said, like if someone in the group came and said, you know, my husband tells me I'm beautiful. I just really want to be able to see myself like he does. Other people in the group, we get to witness each other and we realize that, that you know, oh my God, but I do see how beautiful she is. Mm-hmm. Here she is struggling with that. Where am I struggling with that? Where am I not seeing my beauty? Like it, it's a reflection. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And that's exactly what I, what I was in my very roundabout wordy way getting at. We don't see ourselves like other people do. And, you know, we're, we're talking about our, our circle. We're talking about our tribe. Right. Um, yes. And it, it is unfortunate, and it's it's I, you know, you know, blessed be the woman who doesn't feel this because I haven't <laughs> I haven't hit them. We're not we're not always um, going to be spot on with our self evaluation. Some are much farther ahead, you know. I'm sure there are some that really um, are, are are settled in in the way they are, but a vast majority of people um, really do struggle with with how they look. And you know, we can come off saying it's shallow, but it's so interconnected yeah. these days with our self-worth that um, it is. It, it's it's something that we have to deal with. It really is. And social media hasn't helped in that regard. And it's something that is not going to go away. So it's something that we need to to really, you know, even working with our, our younger, our daughters is, you know, that's yeah. 
something that we need to try and instill at a very young age. Yes. Um, I, I feel yeah. sorry for these women who've been caught in the crosshairs of social media, you know, um, mm-hmm. at least with the oh, younger yeah. ones, maybe we can try and coax them into a, a more positive self image, but you're taking on a, a big, a big piece of the pie, uh, right there. And I, I admire you for that. Are most of your clients, um, I'm going to assume they're all women, just because I haven't heard yep. you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, age range? Are they all age ranges? Are you finding that it is the women who are getting, um, you know, 40s, 50s? Yeah, I work uh, primarily these days. I actually just work with women over 35, um, but most of my clients are between the ages of 40 and 50. Uh, I mean, sorry, um, like late 40s, like and 60. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a struggling and those time. Those are actually my favorites. Yeah, because. You know, nothing feels for me as a as a coach. Nothing feels better than helping than seeing a woman lift that burden of self doubt after having carried it for so much of her life. And you know, like going back to the aging thing, I'll bet a lot of these women know darn well that they're not they're being too hard on themselves, and it's yeah. it's it's something that's hard to get over. Um, so it, it's it's a wonderful thing you're doing. Do you have any new projects that are in the offing? You know, it's just a deeper development. So, like, I'm very passionate about what I do, and I really love my clients. And, like I said, I, I work, you know, we've really created a family environment in it um, because I think it, the witnessing part, the being together, the being able to see other women on that same path, it, it's very healing. We always are saying is the healing's in the hangout. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm very passionate about that. One of the things we've just added that's so excited to watch it, we're like unfolding it here uh, in September, um, is one of the things that uh, it's, it's difficult for women to change how they see themselves when they're still wearing the old energy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if there's a breakup or something like that, what the woman want to do? She wants to get her hair done. You know, she wants to, you know, she wants to change up her look. But a lot of the time, women feel powerless to beauty. So they're like, I don't know how to do makeup. I don't know how to dress my body. I don't know what colors look great on me. And it's just not something they ever give themselves. So one of the things that we've, I, that I've, wor- that I've been working to do now is we've added an image consult. So now I have this amazing beauty consultant, and we do a whole image consult. We help women reclaim their power around beauty. So we know that if she wants to change up her energy, we show her, you know, we help her figure out what glasses look you know frames are right for her face the color spectrum of her clothes what clothes look right on her body because a woman should feel beautiful and know how to dress i believe that a woman should feel beautiful and know how to dress her body no matter what because clothes are made to fit our body not the other way around so that is something i'm really excited to add to our work is the is the image consult and style makeover well that you know that's outstanding you know to have somebody a, a bespoke person for women um just as a little aside my husband um uh for a, a christmas gift i got him um a suit and it was i didn't buy him a suit i sent him down to a place that did a suit for him and I walked in just as as the suit was being made. It was a six-week process. I walked in because he had a fitting. And I thought, why isn't there a place for women? And I'm sure that there is. Yes. Like it, but it's not as nearly as apparent as, as the men's stores. Um, so, and I said to him, why don't you start something for women? And he goes, 
Uh, it's way too hard. I mean, that was just, just the, the first thing you said. He said. That's just way too hard. He said, trying to deal with women and going through their different uh, ages. He said, the store could never be big enough. And, and he said, and I thought, well, that's like, that's really sad because I would love to have a store or someone to show me, you know, as you're hitting your 40s or 50s, this is how you should change your makeup. This is, you know, you can't hold on to, um, you know, the Aritzia for a lot of us, you, you know, when you're hitting 40 and 50. Look for this. It's, it's hard to um, shake that tree enough to get us to change. And I think it's a wonderful thing to have this uh, availability. That's great. I thank you. I agree. I was the same thing. I would Google. I'm like style, like makeover, because yeah. I would see these makeover shows. And I'm like, I want that. How much do I need to pay? Like, yeah, just take me makeover. to take me to the store. You know, like I think that there's some <laughs> malls here that have it. I, I don't know. I don't know where they are, but just take me to the stores. Show me what looks good on me. Um, you know, I'm. Yeah. You know, I'm not in the. Um, and the celebrity status that that people will come and you know I'm sure when you have that much celebrity you've got somebody available to you but you know for the everyday woman show me right. uh, how to transition I think it's great I think it's great uh, so congratulations yeah. and that's starting in September yeah we've already like she and I are working out the details now um, just like making a diff, you know makeup videos and all these things because mm-hmm. I really wanted someone. Who, who knew how to help women over 35 dress. And I didn't want it to be just about clothes. I wanted to help them know what clothing looked right for their body, the color spectrum of clothes that, clothing that's right for their skin, what haircut and color options they have, glasses Excellent. and color frames and like makeup looks. I wanted it to be a comprehensive thing from a woman who understood self-love and appreciating oneself and dressing as she changes for every decade. Well, great for you. Congratulations. I think that's wonderful. Give us the social sites that we can follow you on, the website if people are interested in um, you know, seeing this launch in September. Give us everything so we can keep in contact. I love it. So you can find me at beingbadass.com. On, that's, that's my website. You can also find me on Instagram at beingbadass. So it's all the same. And I have a free masterclass. If, if anybody out there has been listening to what we're talking about and really loving it, and you want to start right now to like start shifting the mindsets and learning some tools to start seeing yourself and treating yourself with love, I have a free masterclass at my website, beingbadass.com. And you can go watch it totally free, um, 45 minutes of like deep diving stuff that I think will really help a lot of women. Excellent. It's been a great show, Betty Jean. Thank you for taking uh, the time to join us. I think it's such a positive way to end off August. Everybody, we've got a great lineup for you coming in September. So uh, follow us on our social sites. Uh, we'll be posting that shortly. Betty Jean, thank you so much for being with us. And everybody, we'll talk to you next week on The Health Hub. Listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. 
Here on Radio Maria Canada.